Hi, welcome to Tube to Table, the podcast about helping tube-fed kids become happy and healthy eaters. Every week, we will dive into the basics of tube weaning to help unravel the conflicting information families get from doctors, therapists, friends, and family. I'm Jenny, a feeding therapist, mom, and food lover. And I'm Heidi. I'm also a feeding therapist, and I love sharing meals with friends and family and helping kids learn to eat. Come with us as we share practical tips and provide real-world expert advice so that parents can help their little ones start their journey from feeding tube to family table. Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of the Tube to Table podcast, the scoop on poop. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about all things poop and constipation and everything you need to know to keep your child comfortable as you look towards weaning them from their feeding tube. I'm Jenny, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Heidi. Heidi, how are you? I'm great, Jenny. How are you? I'm doing good. We're kind of like knee deep in holiday season. It's cold. I don't know if you have snow where you are, but we have snow where I am. And that always just gets me psyched for the holidays. I started writing Christmas cards last week. I'm on the third year in a row for the same box because I always start writing them and then I run out of time and (laughs) don't send them. And I've so I've got like five boxes of Christmas cards now. This is the year I'm going to get them out. So if anybody knows me, you didn't get a card in the past. It's not because I cut you off my list. It's just because... I ran out of card time. (laughs) Well, way to go. I'm always the last minute person, so I'm not quite there yet. I applaud you. So Heidi and I were talking to our team at Thrive with Spectrum Pediatrics earlier today, actually, about something that we often find ourselves collaborating about clinically with kids that we're weaning from their tubes. And it is a topic that can be, if you let it be, something that really trips up a wean. And it's something that we really haven't talked about much in the podcast. So we were like, we have to get this out there because it can be really helpful in preventing you from getting stuck. Literally. Literally stuck. (laughs) Just to preface this, it follows that if you're reducing tube-delivered nutrition or overall nutrition and hydration by tube, that the risk of constipation is there. And so when we wean kids, all of you that are regular listeners know that we collaborate very directly with a physician that knows the child really well. So when we do that in the early days when we're trying to get them on board and and showing them and educating them about our program, but also about responsive feeding, one of the early conversations we have when a doctor has agreed that this is the right path for a child to get them weaned is we have to have a little conversation about keeping children from getting constipated because of the decreased volume of stuff that's going in the tube. It follows that it would dry kids out and make less stuff come out. <laughs> and that could be tricky. And as all of us adults know, being constipated does not feel very good. And so you can imagine that kids don't eat very well. And it can be a really uncomfortable sensation when you try to eat and you're already feeling stopped up or yucky. So that's kind of why it's important. And the other reason that it's important to talk about if you're considering a wean is that it's not something that most families with tubes have to confront while their child's being tube fed. Because a lot of the kind of bowel habits and regularity is managed more directly through the tube. And having a liquid diet certainly helps with keeping kids regular, though it's not always a straight shot for everybody. So that's kind of the background on why we're going to talk about it. And Heidi, I know in my experience, and I think in yours too, what happens when kids get constipated is that it's not easy to undo. I can hear your voice in my head a lot, Johnny. You always say that constipation is easier to prevent than it is to fix. Yeah, way easier. And so that's why it would help if you're getting ready to think about a wean 
to have a conversation with your medical team about what do we do if we see poop starting to change? Or what do we do preventatively to keep it from happening? Which is what we like to try to do to approach it. And every kid is different. Every physician's different. But we thought we could go through a couple of things that different people have done. Sometimes what we try to do is keep kids well hydrated in the early days of a wean, not fully hydrated necessarily. But if we're going to be removing tube-delivered nutrition, we would replace it with some liquid that has less caloric value, either water or Pedialyte or some other electrolyte drink. So that's one thing that can help prevent it. Again, worth conversation with your doctor. Another thing that can prevent it is medication or use of other substances in the tube during that period of a cut. So Heidi, what are some of the strategies you use or you've seen other families use? One of the things that works pretty consistently for a lot of kids is prune juice. Some people will say pear juice as well, although I think most families that I've interacted with find pear juice a little bit less successful. Prune baby food can have the same effect. And I think for families who have been dealing with constipation, because some kids do struggle with constipation on the tube, especially kids who have low tone, who don't have the internal muscle strength to really push some of those heavier things through, or, you know, there's other diagnoses that constipation is a part of. And so they they may have some experience dealing with constipation already, but in this case, they might need to step it up just a little bit. They might need to either start that preventative measure sooner or increase the amount of whatever it is that they're using with the permission of their doctor. If it's something like a medication, you know, we would need to talk to them about what to do about that. But I think that finding out what they've done in the past, and if they haven't done anything, find out what to do in the future, but ask specifics. You know, I think we were just saying earlier that a lot of doctors will just write down one half teaspoon of Miralax or whatever and give that as a recommendation, but the family's never used Miralax. They've never tried it out. Right. And when, when they get constipated or before, and it's and our suggestion is always have that conversation about the specifics, because if your kid's already constipated, you're going to have lost a chunk of time. It's not the end of the world. You can get it back. But most kids, when they're constipated, do not eat well for a few days at least. And it takes a bit of time to get them unconstipated. <laughs> Well, and one of the things we've found in discussion with doctors recently, too, is sometimes there's things to do in combination. One of the doctors had originally recommended Miralax, but that was not being successful. And so then they were recommending a combination of things like a stool softener and a suppository to get things moving through more readily. And just doing one or the other wasn't meeting the need. And so if if we hadn't reached out to the physician specifically and explained specifically what was going on, the recommendation was different. And so it may be that a combination of approaches, but as with any medical thing, you don't want to do a combination of approaches until you find out what the possible interactions are with those two things, if that's a good interaction or not a good interaction. And you certainly don't want to have your child having extreme diarrhea or getting dehydrated during a wean either. So it's just that dialogue, I think, just just to stress the dialogue being a really key part of keeping your child safe. Our preference as clinicians is that there is a preventative measure in place. Like I said, we try to work when we can, when the tube's still there and able to be used for hydration, to use the tube for the hut and to keep kids well hydrated. We have found that well hydrated kids still can learn to eat through weans that involve hunger and responsive feeding techniques. And we found that hydration impacts their progress less than we always used to think. And so 
by keeping kids safe and comfortable through hydration. Again, not full hydration, but replacing a good part of the stuff that you're taking, the liquid volume you're taking away with just either Pedialyte or water can help. And then our other preference would be that if a doctor is going to want your child to be using Miralax or another medication that is useful, that we have a plan in place. And this is not a recommendation. I'm not suggesting that you go try this with your kids. But like, if that doctor that you were just mentioning said a half a teaspoon of Miralax, well, then we'd want to talk to them. Is that a half teaspoon of Miralax during all of the reduction until they got a hang of the eating and then you up it back up? Is that a half a teaspoon and then you adjust up or down based on their bowel output? Those are just the things that you want to consider ahead of time so that you're not changing things every single day for a variety of reasons. It's stressful. And also it changes how your kid's feeling. This is already a kind of a confusing time. So we want to have a plan going into it because there's so much we can't control in the weaning process. It feels like you're taking a lot of the control out of the situation. So having a plan in place really is something we urge everybody that's considering doing this with their medical team to have. And I think your point about how long to do it makes sense, too, because it is also, you know, there's a couple of reasons for kids as they transition from a fully liquid diet to kids who are taking more purees or even adding in some salad foods and some of the higher fat foods are a little bit more difficult. You know, things like bananas are constipating and a lot of kids really like bananas. So you can look at diet to some degree, but you're also asking the child's body, not only the hunger, not only all of those pieces, but now a GI system that hasn't been used to pushing through heavier things is now being asked to process fattier foods and being asked to process more dense foods. And so this may be just what they need for a little period of time while their body builds up that ability. So it is a normal thing. You know, it is a normal thing for kids who do experience constipation if they're older to begin learning to withhold that in able, you know, in an effort to avoid the pain. But in both places, there needs to be a plan in place for what do you do for this period of time? What do you do for the next period of time? And how do you help them transition to a more typical bowel system? Yeah. And then your mention of discomfort and pain too, like the whole point of this is the whole point of weaning, right? Is to get kids to have a positive association with the way their body feels and relates to food, both emotionally and that physical kind of self-regulation. And if when they eat, they feel bad or when they eliminate, they feel bad, that's not helping. So that's another really big reason, just kind of that pot learning about how our bodies work and that it's not scary stuff. It can actually help and it can, all of this can help you feel better instead of worse. So it's just a good thing to consider. It is. I think the bottom line is just really have the conversation early, have a plan to prevent instead of treat if possible, and then have a secondary plan for what to do because nothing is automatic. We're not computers. All bodies are different. And so then have a secondary plan or discussion. And don't be afraid to talk to the doctor about it. This is something that they know well. Yeah. So if they do get constipated, you know what to do in that case, but focus the majority of your energy on preventing that too. That's made a big change in our practice. And it's really made for a much more streamlined weaning process for our families, much less stress for them and for everybody involved. So we hope that's true for you guys. If you decide to go it with your medical team at home. We'll be back soon with another interesting topic, and we hope you guys are enjoying the beginning of your winter. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great one. Bye, Heidi. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tube to Table podcast. 
Every week, we're going to share our show notes at thrivewithspectrum.com. In the show notes, you can find a summary of what we discussed and links to all the resources that we mentioned. Also, you can visit us on social media and Instagram and Facebook. We can be found at Thrive with Spectrum. And on Twitter, you can find us at Thrive with SP. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know if you have any input or any topics that you'd really like to see us address. We'll be back next week. 